Welcome in, listeners. This is the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, sorry, my voice is a bit hoarse today. I've been a little bit under the weather this week, but nothing's going to stop me from talking to you guys and giving you these rankings on our running backs this year. Colin? I'm doing well as well. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, too, am a little stuffed up. So Nick and I do landscaping outside Monday through Friday. Real and, man landscape. Yep. I got mulch underneath my fingernails, but I'm happy to be here. Yep. So today we are going to talk about we made our running back risk records. This is a preliminary risk assessment for the top 12 running backs. We will refine our process and make it more accurate, um, make <clears throat> a little more sense. And let's begin. What criteria did we use? So we based we we kind of point system. Um, so if you are old. For example, that is a point or two points based on your age. So we're ranking those things based off injury history, age, touchdown dependency, total touches, team run rate, complementary roles, and receiving workload. Um, this is like a positive rank. So like if, if a running back scores around a five, that's worse than scoring at like a three. Um, so let's just get started here with Jonathan Taylor, um, the 101 off the board. Um, he had zero non-COVID absences in his career. He's 23 years old, um, so he's still young. He's not going to regress based on age yet or injury. He's pretty injury um, uh, he's resistant. He's had two recorded injuries since coming to Wisconsin in 2017, just yeah. to put it. Guy's a workhorse, and, he, and it doesn't touch him. It doesn't phase him. Um, he had 372 touches last year. That's a bit high. Um, I'd be a little bit worried if I were a Jonathan Taylor owner and he's getting 372 touches um, based off what could happen. Um, running backs that get that kind of workload tend to be a little more injury prone, but he hasn't showed it yet. So it's not a big concern for this upcoming season. Um, he also scored 20 plus touchdowns in 2021. Due to regress. Yeah, going to going to drop. Um, 20 touchdowns is absurd. There was only another running one other running back that did that this year. Um, so yeah, I would expect I wouldn't expect it to fall off the face of the earth with the touchdowns. He's going to keep scoring. He's Still an explosive back. 15 yeah, plus. Yeah, 15 plus. I don't think 20 is out of the question at all, but I wouldn't expect 20 again. He also caught 40 catches last year. That was a career high for him. Um, that reduces his risk, uh, more receptions and PPR just means their floor is a little bit higher, but back to that 370 touches. Um, we found a figure from bleacher report that was like, basically if a running back had over 370 touches in a year, the next year, unless that their name was Eric Dickerson, they're going to become much more inefficient or much more injury prone. It, it was very um, prominent and it, it, the trend still carries to present day. We've seen Derrick Henry, CMC, Saquon all go down with injuries a year after 350, 370, over 400 touches. Um, so, but I think Jonathan Taylor, there's no other running back really like him. He's only 23. He's stupid well put together. I think he's safer. You look at those guys that were getting 370, 400 touches prior to that. They either got hurt next year or they became less efficient. And I think the efficiency is where we're going to see Jonathan Taylor fit into that trend. He averaged 5.5 yards per carry. He could lose a half a yard per carry and still be elite. Could still be the number one, even losing half a yard or even a yard per carry. He just gets so much usage. I think he has a higher, highest probability to finish inside the top three for backs, which is why you should probably take them with yeah. the first overall. Um, so he ended up scoring a two on our risk our risk list, and, and that's that was one of the lowest. The, that was the second lowest. Yeah. Um, we'll get into who had the lowest. 
you could you could probably predict that. Our next guy, the the 102 in our eyes, I mean, he'll he'll probably float between the number one overall and number six overall. He's my baby. He is my baby as well. Austin Eckler, he is 27 years old, so he's getting up towards that upper threshold for his his peak years as a running back. But you know, his floor is so dang high. With he had 70 catches last year. That's not the most in his career. He, I believe, he had a 90 catch season uh, three years ago. Um, so his floor is immensely high. If you're getting four or five receptions a game, you're not really going to have any dud leaks. He did score 20 touchdowns. He's the second touch or second running back to score 20 touchdowns, joining Jonathan Taylor last year. So uh, we're expecting some regression there because again, 20 is an absurdly high number. He had 12 rushing touchdowns inside the red zone eight receiving touchdowns. I think they were all inside the red zone, were they not? Yeah. Um, no, one. I think that six of them were actually okay. receiving touchdowns. Regardless, uh, he is the red zone guy. It worked for Los Angeles, but they did just bring in Isaiah Spiller. They drafted him in the fourth round. Uh, he's a big slow back, the perfect fit for LA's backup. They, you know, they just had Justin Jackson in there. He's just going to take over that complimentary role, but the, the dude is 6'1", 225, really well put together. He could see some goal line work. I'm not really expecting it, but it's not out of the range of outcomes. Uh, Eckler, back to Eckler, though, he had 276 touches, right in that perfect threshold of efficiency, uh, not overused, yeah. not underutilized. I remember watching a game last year. Uh, sorry, going back to the touchdowns, I wanted to touch on this before we really moved on. Um, Eckler was, uh, playing hurt. Um, uh, he was being kept out of the game for most of the most possessions, most series. Um, and when they got into the red zone, they were using Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly to try and score and they couldn't score. They, they had like three, three and outs or four and outs, um, on three back to back to back possessions where they couldn't score in the red zone. They put Eckler in on the next time they're in the red zone, they score and then they do it again and they score again. Those were one of his only touches of the game. It was insane watching the game being an Eckler owner too, because you knew this could have been a massive game for Eckler, but he was injured. They weren't using him, but when they put him in the red zone, this is my point. He's going to score. That's what I'm saying. Even injured, he just finds the end zone. He's a dynamic back. They always target him there. And his impact can definitely be noticed year over year. In 2020, they I think he had like a 50-50 split in touches inside the red zone with Josh Kelly. And the LA Chargers had three rushing touchdowns from their running backs in the red zone. Last year, Eckler was the sole man inside the 20, and he got 12 for them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, yeah. That's why I feel like they shouldn't mess with Spiller on the goal line. I don't think it's going to happen. Let's touch into his injury risk. He did miss six games due to a hamstring slash hyperextension of the knee yeah. in 2020. That's pretty much the only big uh, injury he's had over his career. He's missed 11% of his career games. So we took that into consideration. All being said, he scored at a 3.1, which is tied for the fifth lowest. Yeah, he is on and off the injury report. Um, he was last year with the hamstring injury. So I think that his hamstrings do have some issues. But, um, I mean, if he's able to play through it, he's able to play through it, and that shouldn't determine God whether or not you get him. Gorilla monster. No wonder he has yeah. hamstring issues. And Isaiah Spiller, um, 
I look at him as a Joshua Kelly and a Justin Jackson and a Larry Roundtree. He's they've not, tried to offer a compliment to him every single season that they've had Eckler, and it just doesn't work out. And then they use Eckler more, and that's the way it should be for fantasy football, I think. So Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree are still in that depth chart. I would expect one of them to get cut um, or relegated to the practice squad. Spiller was drafted in the fourth round. He's, he's going to be the backup. Uh, let's move on to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, so Christian McCaffrey, he missed 10 games last year, so that really hurt his ranking or his um, his score, um, and 13 games in 2020. So we really haven't seen Christian McCaffrey for like two seasons, and that really hurts the outlook for Christian McCaffrey. It hurts um, – I know if I'm the third pick and Taylor and Eckler go, I, I don't know if I can take McCaffrey because it scares me so much. My first I'd round hate pick – that third pick. Yeah, it's, it, it would be awful. I'd probably go back to like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook and those – also aren't my favorites. We'll get into reasoning for that later. But um, yeah, so he's missed 28% of his career games, which is absurd. There's only one other running back on this list that has a higher percentage of missed career games. Um, uh, greater than six receptions per game in his career. So that is that offers him a huge floor. Um, you know if that he he's plays. going yeah, yeah. If he plays, that offers him a huge floor. He's going to catch dump down. Sam Donald's going to be in trouble all the time. I'm going to have to lay it off to him. Um, and he'll be 26 this month, so he's still young, but he is getting close to that threshold of being a little bit too old. Running backs start to fall off. Yeah, I mean, his, his so CMC's final score is 15.3. That is the highest uh, we found in this top 12. So we do know our formula does somewhat work. Uh, we'll refine it, but he's got he's going to have to come up on top because his injury risk is just so immense. He's missed 23 of his last 33 games. I don't know if I can draft him at all. Um, as we say, you can't win your league with your first pick, but you can certainly lose it. And one of those ways is drafting Christian McCaffrey and having him be absent for the rest of the year. So, I hope it bites, bites us in the ass. So do I. The, the game's a lot more fun. It's really frustrating to play against him, and you absolutely love having him on your team. So if you want to draft Christian McCaffrey with that hope that you he's actually on the field for even 15 games, uh, I can't blame you. I mean, he's clear-cut number one running back. Yeah. But, again, that's just a huge risk. He scored at 15.3. The next highest, which was very close to him, was our next guy we're going to mention, Derrick Henry. Scored at a 15.1, right below Christian McCaffrey. His biggest factors was that he did miss nine games last year because of a foot injury, and he turns 29 during the season. He's going back to that 370 stat. The stat became more significantly aligned when a running back had over 390 touches in the season. That's when we really saw injury risk become rampant for the next year. And Derrick Henry last year was on track for over 450 touches in 2021. That's absurd. It's absurd. It's, it's insane. And that's a year after he had, what, 378 attempts in 2020. Um, you're throwing in some umpteen yeah. number of catches. So we are over that 390 threshold. He did get hurt and he turns 29. There's not too many running backs that are. Yeah. 29 in the league anymore would that have been the most touches for running back ever i think it would have been um so let's see christian mccaffrey had like 420 ish yeah the, so if he was on pace for I, I i think it would have been i don't know actually there could be some bell cow seasons from eric dickerson in yeah. history or whatever but yeah that's the most i've ever witnessed 
450 touches is a lot, even if you're made out of bulletproof skin like Derrick Henry. Kev Clark. I, I just think his injury risk is very high. He's older. I don't know. I don't know if I could bring myself to drafting him. There's no other running back like Derrick Henry, though. Yeah, and you know that's the way the Titans are going to run this offense is just feed him despite his injury risk. He's old. They're going to use him until he drops off the face of the earth. They will climb on his back. They did draft his uh, protege, Hassan Haskins, from Michigan in the fourth round. That's another big back. So maybe we see him... um, deflect some of the usage off of his shoulders there's a chance but i don't think yeah i don't think so (laughs) um so the next guy on the list here dalvin cook he's going to be 27 by the start of the next season um he had 283 total touches in 2021 but he missed games due to injury and in 2020 he had 352 so he's really close to that 370 mark he's getting tons of usage which could be it could be concerning based on his injury history um he's missed three games uh, he missed three games last year due to non-COVID uh, related absences and 31% of his career games. So both those numbers are, are concerning because you want your, your top five pick to be on the field, to be guaranteed on the field. It's the same issue with McCaffrey and Henry. You don't really see that as much with Taylor and Eckler. That 31% figure for career games missed, that's a little contorted. His rookie season, he did miss 12 games. I believe it I don't know. He's injured his shoulder about five times throughout his career. He has chronic dislocations and labral tears. I can relate, Dalvin. I feel you, homie. Um, But the back to the 350 touch mark in 2020, that that was his highest usage. And then the year after he misses the most games, he's missed multiple games in every season of his career. And he has the second most touches over the last three years or rushes rather. And that's 811. So that's um, only Derrick Henry is higher than him. Dalvin Cook scored at a 10.1. That's the third highest score. And I think it's reflected that's appropriate. He's the third highest risk in our our top 12. Yeah. You also can't forget about Alexander Madison. Absolutely. Um, He's proven to be a great running back. Every time he fills in for Dalvin Cook when he misses a game due to one of those shoulder injuries, for example, Alexander Madison is is easy locked into your lineup putting up RB1 numbers. Um, It's just the offense. It's a good offense in Minnesota, and Alexander Madison is a good running back. So based on Dalvin Cook's injury history, we might see more of Madison even when Cook is healthy, just to kind of keep the workload off of Cook. So I would be a little bit concerned about Dalvin Cook this year. Yeah, and he enters a new scheme, a new offense. Kevin O'Connell's a new head coach there. He brings Wes Phillips with him from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they spent, I'm not sure if Phillips was in Washington prior to LA, but I know Kevin O'Connell was offensive coordinator for Washington in 2019. And that was the year Adrian Peterson was the lead back somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that man, man probably should have retired before 45 years old. Yeah. But the point of that is that Kevin O'Connell likes four receiver sets and he likes a backfield committee over the past two years. The Los Angeles Rams had five running backs have hundred carry seasons. And I think uh, if there's never a better time to start a backfield committee with Alexander Madison entering, I think he's entering his fourth year already. I'm pretty sure he's been in the season for three years. It's it's now Dalvin Cook's turning 27, like we said. Madison's young himself. Uh, Probably the last year is going to be affordable before he hits free agency. So now's the time. Let's move to our new low score 
Najee Harris, and this is proof that we need to refine the score to. He's a rookie, so actually, actually makes sense. But Najee Harris scored negative four with our criteria, criteria, which is criteria, <laughs> IKEA, um, which is stupid. Uh, he's young. He didn't miss any time last year. He didn't get hurt. So, and he had 74 catches, which really reduces his floor if you're seeing that amount of receiving volume. And I just, I think he, he probably is the safest bell cow running back if you're looking for one. Yeah, he's going to get a ton of touches, it, just as he did last year. We threw them, or we, oh boy, um, the Steelers threw it the most in the league last, last year. year. None, none. The Steelers threw it the most in the league last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of one of if big mountain top, top three at least three yeah. for over six hundred yards. Yeah. I think second most. I think Tampa Bay outpaced him, but go okay. on, go on. Um, but with the quarterback change, I Najee Harris had three hundred eighty-one touches last year when we threw it when the Steelers threw it the most in the league, debatably. <laughs> um, so with the quarterback change, I just see more work going towards Najee. I don't see it regressing at all. I think he's has more than 380 so touches this you year. You really think he'll have three, more than 381? All signs, like, if you look at all the variables that influence this, we upgraded the O-line a little bit. Um, no more Big Ben throwing Stop it every we. single play. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even register with me, though, because in our conversations, it's like, oh, I do it all I'm, the time. I'm so used to saying we, or you saying we, I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. But yeah, all, all the all the signs point towards more work for Najee with a rookie quarterback or even Mitch Trubisky. Um, the, the throwing is going to regress, more handoffs, more dump downs. I think 400 touches isn't out of the, is in the field of outcomes. It's kind of crazy that he's 24 entering his second year. Yeah. That's, that's uh, he got a late start, but he he's very durable, as we could see. He did handle the ball 381 times, and he didn't really have any causes for concern. Um, I think if now's uh, the Steelers probably look at it as, hey, if there's any better time to put 400 touches on Najee's back and break it and end his yeah. career early, it's it's now. And they did feed him 381 times. We talk about that 370 touch line. Um, he exceeded that in his first year. Saquon Barkley was very close to that. I don't think he actually hit 370. I think, mm. Sa I think Saquon was like 350 something or 360. Um, and then the next year he tore his ACL. Do I think that's going to happen with Najee? No, I, I think Saquon had injury history in college. He always seemed to be banged up at Penn State. Uh, sprain here, sprain there. Yeah, but I, I think Najee's probably like the the safest back after Jonathan Taylor. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think he like if I'm at that third overall spot and I'm looking at my choices are Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. I could go with Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup or Najee Harris. If I really like want a running back at that third overall spot, and I'm fearful of losing my guy for the year. I'm taking Najee Harris. He's got the highest floor and he probably has the lowest ceiling, but that, that volume and that youth and health alone could be factors that push him above some much more talented names above him. It gives you peace of mind. Just think about yeah, leaving absolutely. a draft and you're like, Oh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. What? Yeah, I'm you're so gonna, scared of this. You're and then you, sweating in your, yeah. in your sleep thinking about CMC's injury. History. Or you have Najee Harris and you're like, all right, I got a guy that's going to play 
15, 16, 17 games this year, and you don't have to worry about it. And I do think the quarterback change does help him. Um, I don't see them fading away from their Balcow running back. And he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry and still finished as an RB. With a terrible O-line and a yeah. lot of work. Um, so I, I definitely think there's room to grow as an efficient runner for him. Just look at the Steelers history, too, real quick. Le'Veon Bell, when he was in his prime, the Steelers worked him to death. And after he left, he was a nobody. James Conner, they tried tried feeding him. And James Conner, he wasn't able to hold up to all that work. He was always injured. And then now it's Najee Harris. And he's shown so far that he's not an injury injury pro. Who was before Bell? Richard Mendenhall? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he he received a lot of volume, too. Yeah. Go to our next guy. Um, So our next guy on the list is Joe Mixon. He's also going to turn 26 by the start of the season. Um, so he's is also getting up in that upper echelon of age, not necessarily something we were looking for in a running back, but it doesn't make me want to turn away from him. I mean, 26, we're talking like Chris, yeah. Chris, you're 22. You, you got four years left, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think that I could live up to the workload right now at 22, that, that <laughs> but, um, yeah. So in 2020, he missed 10 games due to a foot injury that's concerning and he's missed 19% of his career games. So there's a, a, one in five chance that he misses a game. And that's, that well, is also the majority concerned. of that though, comes from that foot injury. So yeah. it's kind of like they play, they a little bit skewed. They play off of each other. We're going to have to, um, but do you remember that foot injury? It was like every single week they, the Bengals would release a statement. He's close. There's a good chance he'll be on the field this week. And then it goes on for another seven weeks. Yeah, he went out week six. He got put on the IR, which meant he could come back. I think week 10, um, those were the rules then. And he just didn't. Yeah. Um, he does get get involved in the receiving game. He had 42 catches in 2021. Um, and that's with an offense that threw the ball a lot. Uh, Joe Burrow chucked it near the end of the season. And he also scored 16 touchdowns. May regress a little bit, but that's a pretty good number for a I really don't. Like, we docked him points, or I guess gave him points for that 2016 touchdown mark. But I, I don't see regression from that figure. Yeah. In that offense. That's a good number. They do run the ball. Uh, he's going to be in the red zone. We've seen what the Bengals can do. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl last year. I don't expect him to just not get touches in the red zone this year. He's your modern day workhorse. He's really well put together. I think he's already entering his fifth season, maybe even sixth. Uh, he came into the league very young out of Oklahoma. Yeah. But he, so he scored out a 9.9, which I guess would be, let's see, the tied for the fifth highest. Yeah, tied for the fifth highest. Um, but yeah. I don't feel that way with Joe Mixon. I don't really fear about him. I think he's one of the sturdiest RB1s you could draft. Now, I'll, I'm not even going to ask you Mixon or Harris on the clock, but let's just say Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook. Who are you going to take on the clock? I think i go Mixon. I I'm think- not worried about Samaje P. Ryan. Is he still the backup? Yeah, he is. He's got to be on the field on third downs and take receiver workload. But I think that offense is so high powered that um, Joe Mixon finishes with the RB4 last year with Pirine's existence. Exactly. So I'd rather work with that than work with Alexander Madison. It's just continuing to take away workload. So I've taken Joe for three straight years. And the first two years, I, I was really frustrated with him. Um, it made me not want to take him a third year in a row, but I did because sometimes you have to forget the past. We talked about that in one of our first episodes, and, and I did, and it paid off, and I think Joe Mixon is a guy that 
next year. If I'm in that like eight, nine, 10 spot and I, I'd like taking a running back in the first round, especially if I can just wrap around and get someone like Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams falling into my lap in the second round. Um, I like targeting Mixon. I would take him over his teammate Jamar Chase any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about our next guy who scored incredibly low. And I guess it's no surprise when you look at the criteria and you break it down, but Alvin Kamara, he turns 27. So again, he, he's starting to get into the back half of his peak years. Um, he did miss four games last year because of a knee injury. He did return after that injury, though, and finish out the season pretty strong. He's missed 10% of his career games, which is honestly isn't that bad. I can live with a guy missing two games out of the year. It's so be it. His receiving workload is insane. Last year, he had 47 catches, and that was by far a career low. Yeah. The years prior to that, he had 80 receptions in all of them. I just He scored out of three which would be the second lowest or third lowest, excuse me. I forget Najee's always negative. Yeah. Um, but Kamar is a guy that when he's on the field, he's not, he's not a bell cow. We saw it last year. He's not going to touch a ball 25 times. So you really don't have to worry about that over usage. Like you do with other guys getting above that 350 mark. Now Kamara can do more with less and his receiving workload yeah. increases his floor. I think he's a touchdown magnet last year. He had what? I had 12 or 13 total touchdowns and that was that's some and it was a terrible him. season yeah for him he finished as rba and still yeah. missed four games he averaged over 18 points and nobody wants to talk about him something to worry about with camara um he made his name from drew Brees throwing him dump down passes he's electric after the catch quarterback change Jameis goes down terrible quarterback play he's, still- he's only ever had above 100 rushing yards in a game twice in his career that is concerning. He's not a bell cow running back. He he can't he can't get it done without the receptions. We haven't really seen him with Jameis. Maybe Jameis offers him a better opportunity to catch the ball more, but I'm not too sure about that. I don't know how I feel about Jameis Winston. I love his personality, but I don't know if he's the quarterback that is going to support Alvin Kamara. I think I mean Kamara still finished as an RB eight last year, and without Winston, he still put up a couple of games over twenty points. Um, I. I'm not concerned about Kamara. If I can get him in the early second round as my RB2, I'm loaded. I'm locked and loaded. Like, I, I will kill everybody with Kamara as my RB2. Yeah. I, I think that his score is lower than I thought it would be, but you look at him, he's been steady excellent since he entered the league. I, I think he's a, as safe of a guy as you can get at that back half of the first round to early second. So I know this is off topic, but say you're at the back half of the first round, you take Joe Mixon, you're up next, and there's Kamara and Diggs on the board. Would you rather have Kamara or would you rather go receiver in that situation? Uh, So I took Mixon. So I have a a reliable RB1, a sturdy RB1 that's going to finish top 10 in pretty much 95% of all range of outcomes. I really like Stefan Diggs this year. I think he's got a shot to be the number one overall wide receiver. I projected him out to be, he would have finished at the same spot he did last year at wide receiver seven. I think I would take Diggs just for roster balance. Okay. Um, but 
I don't know. Let me do a couple hundred more mock drafts and simulate <laughs> that and see what how many times my team turns out to be stronger with Kamara as my RB2 rather than Diggs as my wide receiver one. Because think about it, you wouldn't draft for 20 more picks. Yeah, so you're, that's you're, what I'm worried about. You're missing know. out on an elite wide receiver one. Um, it all depends how you want to the cosmetics to your roster. I love Kamara. He won me a league uh, in 2020 with his 56-point performance in the Merry championship Christmas. game. Merry Christmas. But I, I just don't know. I think that I'd go Diggs almost 10 out of 10 times. I think I'd take a, the, the next guy and DeAndre Swift over him. So let's talk about Swift. He's 23 years old. He missed four games in 2021. Um, that's a little bit concerning as it's his second year in the league and he's already missing games. Um, he's missed a career 21% of his games. Also concerning, again, a one in five chance that he doesn't play. That would make me a little bit hesitant to go with this guy. But when he's on the field, he's proven that he's electric. In, with uh, 213 touches last year, he finished as oh, RB. He was on pace to be the RB2 through the first he like fin- six he weeks. He finished in like the middle teens, I think RB15. Yeah, but that's with missing four games. 13 games. And he was on pace to be a top five running back within the first right. six weeks, five weeks. Um Yeah, Jamal Williams, I'm not too concerned about him. He had 179 touches last year, but that number is also skewed because Swift missed games. When Swift was playing, it was pretty much his backfield. Williams would get in to give him a break here and there on a series, but it was Swift's backfield. Um, 62 receptions, also huge floor. He's electric after the catch. I remember watching the Rams game, and it was like the second play of the game. Swift takes a 75-yard catch to the end zone, uh, five-yard dump down. He, he can do it. He gets it done after the catch. And I think the receptions will just keep going up when he, if he can play a full season. Yeah. So he scored at a 5.6 relatively low. That would put him in, in the lower half of, of these scores. Um, I, I like Deandre Swift a lot. I think he, he has yet to give his best season out to us and he's entering his third year. He's still young. There's reports that he's, packing on a couple pounds similar to Najee Harris. Uh, I don't know if I really like believe that or even want that just because he, he's a very dynamic player in open space. And I, I think he's an incredibly talented player that if you can get him, I'm not afraid to draft him as my RB1. I'm fearless of him. I think he's got a top eight season in store, even with less than 250 touches. I, I, he's another guy similar to Kamara, similar to how we describe Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. He can do more with less. And I, I think it's okay if Jamal Williams touches the ball 175 times. Again, I still see him as a top 10 running back. Um, again, he scored out of 5.6. With that being said, we're going to move to our third to last guy at number 10 slot, Javante Williams. He finished his rookie season as the RB17, splitting the backfield with Melvin Gordon. Uh, That's some cause for concern. And Gordon is that Melvin got 231 touches last year. They each got 203 rushes on the dot. Javante had a little more higher presence in the receiving workload. He had 43 receptions. So that raises his floor. Um, Even with just 10, 12 touches last year, he still... Could have been plugged into your lineup and been fine. He's 22. He's in a higher-powered offense for Denver. I think he's being drafted way too high at RB10, and Melvin Gordon is going at RB37 right now. Uh, yeah. That definitely 
needs to be bridged a little bit because Gordon's still there. He's a veteran and he's going to get some goal line touches as well. Um, he's Javante scored at a three, which was the what third lowest. Yeah. Why would we tied it? We should just put him in order. <laughs> um, but he, he's a third lowest. And do you have anything to add about him? Um, yeah, I'll just say, to reiterate what Colin's saying, Melvin Gordon is still on the team and they split almost perfectly it was, last year. It was year. 50 50. It, it might be 60 40 in Javante's. Uh, favor, but is that enough to throw him in the top 10? I don't think it's even close. I, I would love him as my RB2, but I'm not taking him as an RB1. There's guys later on in the draft that I would prefer as my RB1. I think there was too much um, preseason hype for him. Well, offseason hype, we'll put it, because yeah. Melvin Gordon entered free agency. Uh, Denver loitered around. They didn't sign him for a while. Everybody thought it was Javante's season. He flew up to the top five. He was a number one dynasty running back for a period of time. He flew up into the top five for redraft. And I still think his stock has taken a beating since Melvin Gordon signing has happened. Um, but I still think that is still priced into his valuation where we need to still pump the brakes with him. I think we have to relax and dock him down a couple of spots. He's going ahead of Nick Chubb, um, Lenny. Aaron Jones, there's plenty of guys below yeah. him that I'd rather have touching the ball only 250 times in a season. All right, so uh, let's move on to the number 11 on this list. That's Leonard Fournette. Um, he's on a very pass-heavy offense. 33.5% of the time uh, Tampa Bay is going to pass or run the ball. So 65% of the time they're throwing. Uh, kind of works in his favor, though. Yes, it does. As he caught 69 receptions last year, it's that's a great number for a guy that in Jacksonville was notorious for not being able to catch the ball. Yeah, he was a ground and pound running back. So Tampa Bay's really evolved his game. Tom Brady has evolved his game, I would like to say. He's 27 years old, uh, getting a little up there in age. But again, he's proven last year that it's not really a concern yet. I think the age statistic that we have here might be a little bit too. Uh, it's lame. Yeah. Because, because they're all like 26, 27. Um, we want to discount running backs for being older than 25, but let's get a grip. I mean, there's some guys still playing into the yeah. 29, like those, year old the season. numbers that we're using, like 27. If you look in the past over the last 50 years, that was the age that running backs began to fall off. But now with, technology and training and dieting players are going to last longer. And that's something we need to recognize when we create these values. I do want to say, however, I think um, with contract, like rookie contracts being four year with a fifth option and with teams not valuing the running back position as much, I, I think the age plays more into a factor of whether or not a team is going to release a guy yeah. and just draft a new one for, for much cheaper and roll with that guy for four or five years. Um, it's not the fact that they can't play at that age. It's the fact that I think it's just easier to construct your roster with a, a new running back drafted pretty highly every yeah. four or five years. Just kind of switch off to take it, just abuse a guy's prime and then throw him to the street basically. Yeah. Um, so Leonard Fournette, he is injury prone. He's missed 33% of his career games. That's that is staggering. extremely concerning. Yep. He's, he missed four games in 2021. It was near the end of the season. He did come back uh, for playoffs. Yeah, he did. Um, he had 249 total touches in the season, but with missing four games, again, skewed. 
on pace for much more around 300, 315. Um, and receptions, he had 69, as I said. So he does get involved in the receiving game, gives him a huge floor. Uh, I remember watching last season and every, I was going through Leonard Fournette's game log and I was like, how is he catching the ball? This guy had bricks for hands. He was, he had the same, uh, no, there was the same notion that you have about Ronald Jones was Leonard Fournette as well. Neither of them could catch the ball, but in this offense, Lenny made it happen. He was catching the ball, and he's going to catch it again this year, uh, especially with that high-powered offense. He scored at a 7.8 uh, middle of the pack here, and he's a guy going in the, what, early third, late second, yeah. early third. Yeah. Early I would third. love him as my RB2 because um, I think he his receiving workload in Tampa is untouched. Who did they get? Rashad White. They drafted yeah. Rashad White. And that's a dude that's taken over that Rojo role. And even so, if if he takes over Ronald Jones is what he had, yeah. I think he missed time. He only had 101 carries on the year last year. But still, I think Lenny can be a top 10 running back as he was last year with just his receiving workload and then 150 carries on the ground. If I were to take Lenny as my RB2, I would definitely want to attack running back in the next round or the round after because his injury history is there. He, it's not likely that he plays a full season. And I also think that Tampa Bay may cut back on his usage a little bit because he be, began to die out near the end of the season. Uh, he got injured, missed four games near the end of the season. They might want to slow that and keep him around for playoffs because you know that Tom Brady is going to be in the playoffs and they'll want their number one guy at running They're back. They're going for a chip. Yep. Speaking of chip, let's talk about Nick Chubb. Doesn't make sense, but I hate how the best running back in the league is the number 12 running back off the board. Yeah. Uh, Chubb, the main factor discount is that Cleveland's backfield dynamic. He's got Kareem Hunt as his complement, who handles most of the, almost all of the work through the air out of the backfield. And Nick Chubb's only going to run the ball 15 times a game. And we'll, it's it's hard to draft a guy as your RB1 who has no receiving work. Um, his floor is very low because of that. And he's only touching the ball 15 to 17 times on the ground. You're looking at you have to be uber efficient and find the end zone. And those are two things that are unprobable sometimes. Um, most times there are less than a 50% chance of happening that he touches 100 yards or a touchdown he turns 20 or he is 26 rather he missed two games last year for a calf injury in 2020 he missed four games those are his only misses of his career uh he scored at a 9.9 so he's as risky as joe mixon according to our mm-hmm. our criteria which i think he's way more risky than joe mixon so we obviously need to we, we need to tweak this formula but it'll make do for now with that score of 9.9, we understand that Nick Chubb's very risky because his floor is low. He's, you know, I'm not questioning his talent. He's the best. He is the best running. Back. I'd say so. Best downfield, I hate the Browns. He's the best downfield runner in the game. He averages over five yards per carry. It seems like every year, probably throughout his career um, as a whole. But Kareem Hunt's there. And exactly. I don't know. You have to, he would have to find the end zone double digit times and run for 1200 yards in order to yeah. crack the top 10. And for most backs, that would be like, yes, please give me yeah. that. Uh, something interesting is Kareem had, he played eight games last year, missed nine games. He had a hundred touches. He was on pace for almost 200 touches. If he played the full season, if Chubb played the full season about 270. 
Yeah. So, so Kareem, it, Kareem Hunt just eats away his value. I don't want him as my RB one. RB two, sure, I'll take it, but RB one, I just can't do it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust him. Uh, so those are our top twelve guys. Those are. The, let's just reiterate: Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry came in at the highest scores at fifteen point three and fifteen point one, respectively. Followed by Dalvin Cook at ten point one. Then we have Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb tied for what would that be fifth, yeah. fourth, and fifth spots at 9.9 then you're looking at Lenny is the next highest risk at 7.8 and then we got DeAndre Swift with his injury history as well um but his receiving work kind of counters that he scored at a 5.6 we have who scored at 3.1 Austin Eckler at 3.1 Alvin Kamara and Javante Williams are the second least risky picks inside the top 12 scoring out of three, which I just think Javante is not risky because he made it fully healthy for yeah. last season. He is, he is a very risky pick at that RB10 spot because yeah. of Melvin Gordon. I think he's overpriced. Definitely needs some refinement. Yes. Uh, but it does give you a general idea. Jonathan Taylor scored a two. So basically you're, he's a surefire one in my eyes. Um, I would probably risk it with Eckler just because I like the man and I, yeah. I like his receiving upside. Um and then the least risky, which I agree with this. I think I think our our risk records are okay in the sense that they're giving us somewhat accurate results. Najee Harris scored a negative four. Um, that shouldn't be a negative number because there is uncertainty with him. Yeah. It, nobody has no uncertainty. There's definitely there's definitely some risk involved with Najee, including his overusage. Um, but he's very safe, and I think that that's reflected here. I'm going to be honest. If I were to look at the list of these 12 guys and decide who would I be most comfortable with leaving this, leaving the first round of the draft with um, based on injury risk, uh, usage risk, it would be Jonathan Taylor and it would be Najee Harris. Yeah. I think both of them are going to get absurd use, and they are not injury prone. So, And I think Eckler's after that. Yeah. I think he's safe. And then I, I would – Probably say Alvin Kamara is right there. I don't yeah. view him as a risk. Um, then I would throw Joe Mixon right there. I, in fact, Joe might even crack a, the top four or five for me. Yeah. But that's it. We're going to wrap it up then. Yeah, and we will refine this soon um, and probably give you it's, some scores again in a few weeks. So we, we want to make a draft, Grand Theft draft sheet. Yeah. So we And part of that is that we are going to make these risk scores tied into our tier rankings and give you the best cheat sheet to win your draft. You're going to feel like a thief standing, stealing it. That's why we call it the grand thrift draft sheet. <laughs> All right. Follow us on TikTok and Twitter at wide me fantasy. I'm going to post something real. On I do. TikTok. I do. I do. Um, thanks guys. We're done.